The following content urges you to continue calling for the arrest of Breonna Taylor's murderers. Start the show. Not let up. Not at all. Not a single bit. Not even a little. Firing is not an arrest. It is not a charge. Arrest the murderers of Breonna Taylor. You got to start calling them by name too. Are we gonna call? Are we gonna call them out? You got to start calling them by name. I mean, they've been. You know, as as people have pointed out this week. They've been anonymous for too long. Um, You know, they're just kind of just, there's just a blanket statement saying to arrest the murderers. But their names are Brett Hankinson, John Mattingly, and Miles Cosgrove. And call out the Attorney General, too, Daniel Cameron. Daniel Cameron. Yeah, call him his ass out, too. Let me show you Daniel Cameron. Okay. All right, so Daniel Cameron... The Kentucky Attorney General. The the Kentucky Attorney General, okay, um, while people were protesting for him to press charges. Oh, he got that Omar Epps head. He got that Omar Epps fat head. He was was attending uh, a bridal, uh, I think he was doing like an engagement party or a bridal shower or something. He he was worried about getting married that weekend. Um. You know, he's 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 one of those dudes, man. He's just now, granted, we should not expect favorable treatment for people because they are African American. Right. But there is a certain type of person. <laughs> um you know, I, I again, y'all just y'all just look up Daniel Cameron. He definitely he definitely read for Troy on Dear White People. Yeah. He's it's when you see him and you read about him, it should not be surprising. Oh, Braxton P. Hartnerberg ass nigga. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Niggas plus information plus alcohol equals opinions while black. Your black ass cheat sheet for the week in foolishness and fuckery. I am your boy Oz. And I am still trying to figure out the appeal of dining indoors during um, a pandemic. What the fuck? My neighbor. I- Right across the street here, my neighbor mm-hmm. um, works at works at well. One of his jobs is he works for Papados, and the Papados, by the way, the, the Nigados. Yes, the one on six ten. Yes, Nigados. Um, and we were, you know, we were just chatting up the other day, six feet apart. Um, and I just asked him, like, what is it like having people come to the restaurant and? expecting the same dining experience that they normally would in non-pandemic times now look as i say this y'all i don't care if you believe that there's a pandemic or not i don't care whether or not you think it's all a conspiracy or democratic slash liberal hoax i don't care what you think about that and if you do for me personally grow the fuck up yeah but what we all can recognize is when you go into a restaurant right now the experience is different how enjoyable is it for you to go into a restaurant and and just to be noticeably uncomfortable um, 
Like, you know. Have you tried to talk to someone six feet away from you? Right. Now, you know, I'm not judging anyone who's doing like patio dining or open air dining or whatever. You know, that's, sure. that's, that's different. But imagine going into a restaurant and sitting at a table and having to wear a mask until they bring the food out to you. The waiter has to stand six feet away from you. You have to get your own utensils and all that shit. They don't touch anything. Um, and you just kind of sit there and not really talk to each other as much. It feels very sterile. You have to take your mask off to talk, to eat. You keep asking what somebody said because your mask has you fucking muffled. My thing is, and I, and I asked, I asked my, my neighbor this. I said, you know, I've been to that Papados a couple times during the pandemic, and I've done curbside. One thing that I've noticed about that experience mm-hmm. is that the food tastes exactly the same when you take it home. It's true. It's and true. and when you're eating at home around friend, uh, family and, you know, maybe a small, small, small bubble of friends who are taking care of themselves, it's a much more enjoyable experience. Very much so. I'm just, I'm just, that's just my little thing. I, I'm sorry to derail it, but I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just curious to know how your dining experience is right now. If you insist on going to a place to sit in a dining room and to eat. I really want, and, and that's true. I really want to hear from one of the knuckleheads that's still going out and socializing. What, like, how fulfilled do you feel? In a socially distanced, regulated environment like that. Because just the sound of it, to me, sounds very sterile Mm -hmm. and kind of impersonal. And kind of everything that we like about going out. And let me me emphasize, y'all. I've I've been holed up in the house for, what, almost five months now? Yeah. I I would very much like to leave the house. Same. Um, I would like to. And again, like I said before, I don't care whether you believe that this is a pandemic or not. We just have to acknowledge the fact that right now, the experience in these public spaces is different than what it normally is. And based on that, if you want to have your same experience, how are you enjoying this? How are you enjoying it? And if you're not, that should be incentive to just stay in the fucking house until it's over. The food tastes exactly the same curbside. Stop being a fucking knucklehead. We're gonna we're and we're gonna hammer on y'all every time. Every episode, we're gonna hammer on y'all. Stay so in the fucking house. Those same people that you are going into the restaurant with, you can get that same food and enjoy it in your house. They're risking life and limb. Anything that's that sterile, I don't want to be a part of it. Anything that's that sterile where the people handing things to me have to have masks and gloves to hand, like, food. forks and food to me, that ain't right. That ain't right. I No. No. Yep. Anything that feels like I'm in a hospital. Y'all just want to be served. Y'all, it, it, it really, it's nasty. Y'all nasty. It's nasty. That's nasty. Y'all really do want to just be served and feel like someone's bringing a thing out to you that badly because you can get that same level of convenience by having the food made for you and you just take it the fuck home it i couldn't help but notice that the same people who are upset about being mandated to wear masks are the same people who don't wash their hands after they pee (laughs) 
The Venn diagram on that is a solid circle. Or the people, or the, or they're the people that think that hand sanitizer is a hundred percent a replacement mm. for washing your hands. Mm. Wash your hands, then put the hand sanitizer on. It's not a replacement for washing your hands. It's not. Y'all are gross. Um. Uh, episode ninety six. Ninety six, baby. Um. We're going to start off offering flowers. Uh, I like to start off with love. I like to start off offering flowers to people while they're here. Uh, flowers this week go to Latasha Stone, hmm. um, the CEO of Proper NAR, which she is the uh, which is the first black woman-owned skateboard company. Nice. Proper NAR was created. This is according to Because of Them We Can. Propanar was created by Stone in 2013. Over the last several years, Stone has continued to grow her business, channeling her love for the sport into custom skateboards, clothing, and paraphernalia that reflects her personal aesthetic. The company is a lifestyle brand geared towards teen girls and young women interested in skateboarding or alternative fashion. Stone skateboards have been featured on HBO's Betty, a show about girls who skate and on Beyonce's Black Parade route, a recently curated directory of black-owned businesses. There are so many things to love in that paragraph alone. Um, I like this because I like that there are black women being centered in what a lot of black people would consider off-color alternative lanes that not everyone considers to be black. And um, for the longest, we've had people like um, like black men, like you know Lupe Fiasco, um, Childish Gambino, that are that tend to walk in those alternative lanes. Um, it's good to have a black woman being centered there. So hats off. Yeah, and, and shout out because also um, it reminds me like last week I almost ran over a group of kids crossing the street. The the important part behind that is. <laughs> <laughs> One one of the, the, the member of the group of kids was like a little a little black girl with a skateboard. Oh um, she was like she was probably like, you know, ten or eleven years old, flip flops on, but she was rocking the skateboard. I was like, man, that is kinda dope to see. Cause I you, you just never see that. Yes, black women have the right to be uh rushed away from parking lots by security guards like everyone else does. Yes. Oh man, this is what is that? What is... So apparently Oh shit! What happened? This is a there was a Zydeco festival in the Houston area this weekend. I don't see a lot of social distancing. I see thousands. I don't see any masks upon thousands of people. But does it say Dallas though? Well, Dallas. Okay, that makes sense. I don't see a lot of social distancing in that video. Are there masks in that video? No. I don't see any masks. Damn. We're fucked. We're fucked. We're Damn. fucked. And and the funny thing is that brings me to this week's Humans Ain't Shit. Shit. Yeah, man. It, it's, it's, it's all bad, bro. Um, it brings me to this week's Humans Ain't Shit. I don't have much for Humans Ain't Shit this week aside from wear a fucking mask. Wear a fucking mask. Socially distance. That's it. Listen, <clears throat> uh, this quarantine uh, time off from everything shit was cute at first. 
But people got lives they want to get back to. I'm talking to you, Texas. I'm talking to you, Florida. And it's not just Texas and Florida, because a lot of y'all is fucking up. But y'all, people got lives they want to get back to. People got shit they want to do. People got money they want to make. Now, I'm not talking about the day job people. Even though the day job people, the, the day job already is holding it down. Y'all, wear a fucking mask. Wear a fucking mask. Socially distance. Stay your ass at home. Flatten the curve. Y'all, there ain't shit to do out there, man. There's nothing. Y'all, it's, what the fuck do y'all want to do so bad? I'm talking to y'all specifically in Houston in 100 degree, degree weather. I thought the heat would keep your dumb asses in the house. I didn't even want to go outside to cut the grass, man. What the fuck are y'all doing out there? What are y'all? What is there to do? What are y'all doing out there? Stay in the fucking house. I can't stress this enough. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Honestly. But just like, man, just, I don't know, man. What? Yeah, and, like, there ain't shit to do, y'all. And just to be a part of the solution, um... There are masks available, and there will be masks available. I'll tell you where there will be masks available. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and announce uh, the Opinions While Black merch store. Yes, there's an Opinions While Black merch store coming July 31st. That is Friday, July 31st. There will be links. There will be, there will be avenues available on OpinionsWhileBlack.com uh, to get to the merch store. We will be selling Opinions While Black masks. Yes. For a small amount. For a small fee. And but actually, and, and part of the proceeds actually go to a uh, to a mid-share charity. As hey! Well. So, um, we'll also be selling t-shirts. And we'll be selling t-shirts. We'll be selling t-shirts with the logo on them. And we have more designs coming there. Ideally, we will be dropping new designs uh, on a uh, bi-weekly basis. Yep. Um, dropping these shits like mixtapes, son. Dropping these shits like mixtapes, baby. Y'all have been waiting for the merch. I've been getting, I've been getting questions and inboxes and comments about the merch. And the merch is coming. As of now, the merch is coming in like a in like two weeks. Yep. Men's and women's sizes. Men's and women's sizes. Yes. It's summertime. I know y'all hot. Women. Do, do they have tanks? Uh we can we can make it that way. I mean yeah, you know what? Tristan was asking about tanks. Okay, in that case we'll add tanks to it. Okay. Um there will be tanks. We, <laughs> we encourage women to go a size small. Uh yes. Women go a size small. Uh men to I show I, your titties. <laughs> to, to show the titties. Uh and yes, there will be titty shirts coming. Uh, very, very <laughs> soon once we launch. Um, that's the merch store, July thirty first. Get your coins, get your coins together. Um, it's I, as a matter of fact, consider it, it. Some of you have been asking how to donate to Opinions While Black. Consider that a donation. Consider buying merch a donation. Um, and we're gonna have stuff. We're gonna have we'll we'll, we'll we're gonna have drinkware and shit like that. Uh, as we roll this stuff out. Um, so yes. Please get in on that. On the ground level. Um, with that. Let's go to the song of the week. 
Um, there was some good music, and I actually had a couple of songs that I had in my head that I was going to decide between, and I was going to flip a coin. Um, I'm feeling very summery. Uh, so we're going to go with the new song from WizKid featuring her. Already. It's called Smile. It's a, it, it's a very infectious little bop. Uh, so pour yourself something. Get comfortable. We're going to have a good show, man. And we'll be back with more opinions while black. Let's go.
Kid featuring her, very very infectious little bop. You know I let I, I don't put enough reggae that kind of reggae lane on yeah. this on this playlist. Um, I love that shit, and she fits right in that pocket too. Right, because you know she snuck out the you know a while back she snuck out the joint with Skip Marley, mm-hmm. um, which is just as good. If you've not heard "Slow Down," if you don't listen to the radio and you've not heard "Slow Down." With Skip Marley and her, that is a bop as well. Um, I like Wizkid, man. Um, I've had a Wizkid join on the on the on the show before. I like that he is kind of inheriting the international reggae kind of throne. Um, if you um, so, if you want to hear more from him, we have another couple of bops from him on the Opinions Wild Black featured music playlist. Uh, exclusively on Spotify. If you are a Spotify listener, type in Opinions Wild Black Featured Music and you'll have plenty of good songs from uh, Wizkid, Alex Isley, uh, Lucky Day, Summer Walker, a lot of people, Drake. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty, it runs the gamut of yeah. good music. It's a pretty, pretty good, pretty wide spectrum. Daft Punk is on there. Mm. Um, so go ahead and follow that, and we will be updating it with each song of the week, um, weekly. So uh, there's that. Um, before we get into any foolishness and fuckery, we should um, recognize uh, the the loss of a a soldier in the movement um, and one of our cherished elders, uh, John Lewis. Yes. Uh, not Elijah Cummings. Who is not Elijah Cummings. Look at you, Marco Rubio. Uh, John Lewis is, I believe he's one of the last. I mean, he, he was the last. He is the last person. The last. He was the last living person to speak at the March. March on Washington. Washington. Yep. Um, John Lewis was a crusader, man. That's deep, he, man. He, and that one hit me different because... You couldn't live in the South and not know who John Lewis was. Um, he was as important as MLK, as um, Malcolm, as any as Jesse, any of any of the other mainstream well-known people. Al, um, that hits me hard, and it's sad, and it fucks me up that the rest in peace segment has all has become has basically become a segment. And it feels like we're saying goodbye to crucial people every week. Yeah. Um, so uh, condolences to family and friends. Um, this is definitely a loss of an elder uh, who can never be replaced. Never. Um, we, we will never have another like this. Uh, also, for local, uh, for the locals, um, 
the loss of Reginald Moore. Reginald Moore was 60. Um, this is uh, from Texas Monthly. Uh, Reginald Moore was actually a big, a big part of the Sugarland project. Um, the retired longshoreman had spent much of uh, the previous two decades trying without much success to bring attention to the brutal convict leasing system that flour that flourished in Fort Bend County in the second half of the 19th century. Uh, deprived of slave labor after the Civil War, plantation owners across the South started leasing laborers from state prisons, which had filled up with black men thanks to the discriminatory laws known as the Black Codes. The convict laborers worked in conditions often worse than those under slavery, but city officials uh, more spoke to largely ignored the system's existence. Uh, my mother knew about the Sugarland Project. This was one of those things, one of those things, where she definitely passed this this knowledge down to me. Um, he's up until he died. He spent um, he spent the the majority of his life crusading for this. Um, he was uh, he was research. He actually started out researching convict leasing in Fort Bend County while he was a prison guard, mm -hmm. um, just outside of Sugarland. Um, and this was this was his life. This was his full time life. He was this is another soldier in the movement. Um, this is somebody whose whose dedication and whose life should be recognized, who will never be replaced. So again. To family and friends, rest in peace, rest in power, um, Reginald Moore, who was 60 years old. We we love you and we miss you. It's too young. Entirely too fucking young, man. Um, also, they found Naya Rivera's body. That one still hits different. And yeah. it's, it's tough. They found it. They actually found her body on the anniversary of Corey Monteith's yep. suicide. Yeah. Um, that one hit me kind of hard. Um, anybody who knows me knows that suicide is a difficult thing to talk about with me, and it hits me a little different. So, um, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. I know it was tough on his cast mem on his castmates, on their um, and they. I believe they had a kind of memorial on the beach. Yeah. Um, Hand held on, hand held hands on the beach and faced the uh, the water. Yeah, that was that's rough, man. And and again, prayers, uh, prayers and considerations to family and friends. Big Sean was very emotional about uh, uh about uh saying goodbye to her. Yeah. Um. So definitely, uh, prayers and considerations for him, for her son, for her family. Uh, this is a rough thing, and I know this hit a lot of people different because um, this is somebody who seemed like good, who one of those people who you know is a celebrity. You don't know them, but you know you never really heard bad things about them. They seem like good people, right? And they seem to positively affect uh, affect the lives of those around them. Uh, so it's hard to it's definitely hard to see that one. Um, on with the fuckery. Kind of. Um, we gotta talk about Megan. <laughs> for those of you that did not know, <laughs> for those of you that did not know, and and again, and let let's be clear. It's on the side of Megan, a black woman getting shot. Megan the Stallion. For those of you that don't know, 
was it was in was somewhere with Tory Lanez. Yeah. Who had a gun and she was shot in the in the foot, I guess. She was supposedly shot in the foot. And um Tory Lanez is under suspicion, uh is under investigation for uh being the one who had the gun and, and who shot her. That's the best I that's the best I can do to report that one. Um here's my thing. Tory Lanez, I, I always knew Tory Lanez is a knucklehead. And it also doesn't surprise me that Tory Lanez had a gun because um this is a this is a common occurrence among niggas who can't fight. And there's documented evidence that he he don't have hands. There's documented evidence that Tory Lanez does not have anything approaching hands. This nigga was in a fight. This nigga was in a fight with two other niggas fighting. <laughs> swung eight times and didn't land a <laughs> single punch. Eagle, what? The, the other the person that he was swinging against didn't even know that w- he was swinging on him. Wasn't even looking at him. <laughs> Did not land a single punch. So I'm never surprised when niggas who can't fight go and, go and get the steal. I'm never surprised because that's all you got. However, why the fuck are you out and about with a gun at your level in the game why the fuck are you out and about with a gun with two of the most high-profile women out there right now? Because they were either with or coming from Kylie Jenner's house. Yeah. And, and I, that's a knucklehead move. That's a, that's a knucklehead, goofy-ass move. It also speaks to, and you know, to be clear, you know, I'm, I am one of those people who, who believes that it, it is perfectly fine to have firearm if you feel necessary to protect your life and your property um to me it it becomes kind of a a mixed bag when you when you take that firearm in public and you use it to settle disputes and arguments to me that is not the purpose of a gun the purpose of a gun is defense it is not the purpose of a gun is not to defuse or resolve arguments which by all accounts in this case that's what this alleged gun was was used to do 100 percent. supposedly she was trying to leave or something um and then somehow ended up getting shot in the foot nobody's talking nobody's talking now the talking that megan is doing is it's it's very un it's very there aren't much naming of names but it's also very pointed. Yep. And it's very clear that something negative happened between these two. Um, it's one of those things where it's all very, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Um, and I guess my thing is the kind of ugliness that's coming back to Megan about this. And I don't know. I Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, I blame certain people for the this resurgence of the hoteps in the COVID era. Um, these niggas don't have shit to talk about now that COVID has gotten really real out in these streets. Mm. And they have come back to shit on Megan. There's a lot of bullshit out there. I just want well, I just want to read one of the little No, I'm not gonna read the bullshit. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that feel like that there's a there are a lot of fuck niggas that feel like Megan is getting some kind of karmic 
retribution because she talks about not need, she talks about not really needing niggas and finessing niggas and being a hot girl somehow they feel like that they just des- that he, she deserves to get shot because of that yep. and that is nasty Has that is the nothing to do with getting shot in the foot y'all nothing to do with getting shot in the foot um Tory Lanez is a small nigga who can't fight um who clearly has a small nigga complex um because having to steal out i have to say as somebody that is completely fine with people packing a gun the reason i have never packed a gun in my regular ass life out in public is because if i have it i'm going to find even on a subconscious level incentive to use it and if I have incentive to use it, I'm probably going to let you know I have it. I'm probably going to brandish it. I'm probably going to lift my shirt up. You know, they had those little holsters that fit under your pants. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to lift my shirt up and let you know what time it is and let you make the decision uh, as to whether or not you want to take it to the next level, which is not always a smart idea, especially in Texas where this is open carry. Mm. Um, but that's why I've never had one out and about because I know it's going to go somewhere bad. Now, for somebody that has has money and resources like Tory Lanez, it's a foolish move to have a gun when you can just hire better security right. that can carry a gun. Why would you ever put yourself in that position? That's, just, that's goofy, and that's a goofy-ass move. And people talking about Megan knew who she was fucking with, I guarantee you she wouldn't have been in that situation had she knew that nigga had to steal on him. And neither would Kylie Jenner. Whatever Kylie Jenner's involvement is, if they were at her house, whatever, it's going to get swept under the rug next week. Yep. So she is going to ride free and clear from all this bullshit. And here your dumb ass is. Make better. Well, yeah, I don't even care if you make better decisions from this point because you shot a woman. It, so fuck off. Short dudes, man. Y'all just gotta. The fuck is fuck wrong out with here with short shit, niggas, man. man? Learn to fight. You know something. Get some hands. You got money enough to take self defense classes. Learn how to talk your way out of shit. <laughs> Use your words. Use your words. All I'm saying, there again, Tory knew he wasn't winning that fight with Megan. Megan from Mo City. Yeah. He wasn't winning that fucking fight. Take your ass back to Canada and go fuck yourself. I, I'm I, that's that upsets me really bad. Um, but prayers for a speedy recovery for Megan that she finds some peace of mind. Um, through this because I know that must be I've never been shot but I know that must be a traumatic event mm-hmm. um, definitely you have Houston support um, we don't take kindly to our own getting run up on uh, so if I see Tory Lanez he's, he can go on the smack the shit out you list with Derek Jackson <laughs> Smack the shot of his little ass. You gotta reach down and smack the shit out of him. <laughs> um, what else we got? <sighs> we have to talk about Nick Cannon. God damn it. 
I'm gonna try not to make this long. But there are there are important aspects of this conversation that need to be had. For those of you who do not know, Nick Cannon was let go from Viacom in the wake of some questionable uh, things that were said on his video show, on his podcast. I, I don't know what it is, a podcast, Cannon's Class. Uh, he was chopping it up with Professor Griffin and with Professor Griff and they were talking some hotep shit and he said a few things that were considered anti-Semitic and saying anti-Semitic things is the easiest way yep. uh, to not have a job in no less than 12 hours. <laughs> um, so... For those of you, because there's a lot of confusion within the community about whether or not what he said, the things that he was talking about, were actually anti-Semitic. Um, I can speak for a little bit of it, because I did not watch the whole thing, because I am allergic to Nick Cannon. Um, but, I can say that there were certain things that can absolutely be considered anti-Semitic. What do I mean by that, Oz? Well, uh, he 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 definitely mentioned the uh, ongoing corny ass myth with the Rothschilds. They have too much power. They run all the banks, y'all. One old Jewish family that has a lot of money does not equate to running all the banks or owning all of the things or being masters of the universe or whatever the fuck Omar Johnson has convinced y'all of. Um, here is some knowledge just to break you off. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit of knowledge. Because uh, we, can't, we can't get the jokes off if we're never serious. Um, well, we probably still can't get the yeah, jokes off. We still get the jokes off. <laughs> and we, we probably will. Um, Y'all... The reason that a lot of that a lot of Jewish people in Europe early on were forced into banking and money and a lot of finance related jobs were because those were the only jobs they could get because there were laws in Europe that prevented them from working other vocations. And there were prejudices against Jewish people that prevented them from even taking apprenticeships or trades. So it kind of lends itself to this. It, so it, 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 it's the beginning of the stereotype that all Jewish people are uh, money-grubbing bankers and accountants. It's just, like, it's just like how black people are called welfare queens, but welfare was a system that was put into place to keep black people as an underclass. So you, ha so you have another case of white supremacy in implementing a system on people and then creating a stereotype from the system they just implemented to keep you down. I would think y'all would understand that. Not all of you do. Many of them don't. And I, I don't want to I don't want to unpack all of what Nick Cannon said, but a lot of what he said was anti-Semitic bullshit. Or not even just anti-Semitic, it was just factually incorrect. And the reason I'm kind of on the fuck Nick Cannon train, well, I've always, I'm fuck Nick Cannon and good times are bad. But the reason I'm on the fuck Nick Cannon train is because Nick Cannon has been full hotep for some time. Why the fuck 
is why the fuck does he have a platform? Why the fuck do we offer? Do we let him have this platform where he is considered a thought leader now? This nigga put on a turban and fooled a lot of you, and I don't get it. If if someone's talking to Professor Griff about something, they're probably wrong. That should be the first sign. That's the first and last sign that what you're saying is wrong. Why are we talking to <laughs> Professor Griff in, in 2020? Why is Professor Griff a, considered a thought leader? Why don't we have a... And, and it makes me mad because why don't we have accredited people? Why don't we have people that we hold in high regard that are accredited thought leaders? You know... People that have a degree in something. Here, here's my problem. Here's my problem with a lot of shit like this, and it, it's again, it really, in moments of crisis, it really rears its ugly head, and of course during the pandemic, it's you know it's out of control now, and it's the fact that a lot of you motherfuckers will follow, and believe anyone who says anything, that sounds, remotely true, right? Um, conspiracy theories are called theories for a reason. It's because they have not been proven. I just, I just, I, I, I've been challenging people more and more lately because more and more of these dumbass conspiracies have been coming not through my timeline but directly into my inbox. Hey, what do you think of this? Hey, what do you think of this? And the first thing I ask is, are you going to believe someone who has some type of scientific study or proof or resource to support their statement, or somebody sitting in front of their phone with some hair rollers? Talking about family, we got to get our shit together. Like, y'all got to consider the sources. And, and that's not to say that that person that you're listening to is not an intelligent being. Sure. But where is where is the demand for credibility? Or for proof? I, I tell people all the time, when, when people say things about the coronavirus and different viruses and, and how viruses behave, I point to the fact that my mother was a virologist for 33 years. My mother studied and monitored viral patterns in the state of Texas for 33 years. So whatever information she gives me about viruses and the way that viruses behave, I'm probably going to believe her. Why? Because that's what she did for 33 years. And even if she was wrong, because I know a lot of people are out there with this new shit about, well, science isn't always right. Guess what? I would rather be wrong listening to science than be wrong listening to a nigga on YouTube. Right. So when it comes to Nick Cannon, the, the biggest issue that I have, and again, I don't, I don't even care to hear the particulars of what he, he spoke about. I'm fairly certain it was exactly along the lines that Oz mentioned. Everything you've ever heard in Hidden Colors. Right. My thing is, you're, you're talking about concepts again that don't have readily available resources and documentations to to prove your point um, and also you should not be surprised to meet some some form of retribution um, in an industry that is you know that has a large um, Jewish community that participates in it as well. That was and, my, and that's my other thing is that if you're right and that Jewish people have all the power or whatever you think or that they're masters of the fucking universe, what the fuck did you think was going to happen 
when you went on your public platform and talked shit about them. Yeah. What the fuck did you think was going to happen? It's like you going to an NAACP convention and saying niggas are lazy. Now, now having said that, I don't want to bury the lead too hard mm-hmm. and and ignore the fact that the rush to fire Nick Cannon definitely has a huge base in white supremacy because there are, there are people that have been allowed to make it for way longer, i.e. Mel Gibson, even though they, yeah. they did kind of come down hard on him. Yeah. Um, but having said that, there needs just like there needs to be accountability for that, there needs to be accountability in our community amongst each other for prejudice and misinformation. Mm-hmm. Because that's what most of what he said is based in. We have this notion that in the black community we we are immune we are somehow immune or above being held accountable for prejudice. Not that is so far from the truth. If anything, we should be more cognizant of it because of our experiences with it and we should be more respectful of those instances in which we are being insensitive with our own bigotry. Exactly. You know, I think that I think Nick's platform could have been again he had Professor Griff on there so he his lack of judgment is, is exactly exactly but my thing is if you do have those feelings and you're that strong about those feelings and you express those feelings why not present the opportunity for someone to appear who may have an opposing view and you have a genuine discourse over you know what you feel about that invite someone from the Jewish community to speak to um to go for you point and counterpoint if you feel that strongly about what it is you were talking about. Otherwise, all you're doing is spreading hyperbole. And again, you have Professor Griff on there. <laughs> right, so you're not credible. And and that's my other thing is that he once he was called out for it and once he met consequences for it, then he turned around and apologized and was like, well, I talked to leaders of the Jewish community. I talked to Rabbi so-and-so and... And I've come to some conclusions about my, my viewpoints and, you know, I apologize, this, that, and the third. That would have a lot more credibility. Again, if you brought these people on your show or if you made your discourse with these people public, but you didn't, you got tapped on the wrist and you looked up the right names and the right people to call yep. in that time. Once you Once you got caught, and now you're sorry and you've talked to all the right people conveniently uh, when your money is on the line. So, yeah, I don't and it's just Nick can't. This is why we need credited people on these platforms. Um, I don't know, man. Just fuck Nick Cannon. Really? Fuck Nick Cannon. His whole career, I have been fuck Nick Cannon in good times and in bad. And this just reinforces my point as to why he's not good at anything. He's not even good at being a thought leader because all the thoughts in his head are corrupt and stupid. Fuck Nick Cannon. I agree. Fuck, fuck Nick Cannon. Let him eat a black owned dick. No sides, no condiments, no hot sauce, no mild sauce, Just a dry black, owned just a dry black owned dick. That's all he's earned. Fuck him. Um, Going forward, 
you know, we started talking about this uh, after we recorded last week, the NBA bubble. <laughs> For those of you that, that, that don't know or are not aware or don't care, um, the NBA is definitely having a season or part of a season, like a mini season. They're finishing their season. And um, basically they're they're quarantining all the all the teams involved on some Disney campus. Yeah. And they're not allowed to leave. Um, they're not they, they have to wear a mask all the time. Um, you know, all the all the quarantine C D C rules apply. Um we got wind of this uh first it was J.R. Smith was talking a lot of shit. Uh, about his living quarters, was it J.R. Smith that went off? That, yeah. that went off uh, reservation. No, he didn't go off reservation. I forgot it was a young player that went off. Okay, who went? Uh, and he just literally like just kind of just stepped over the line, literally to to get some some food to get to pick up his Grubhub. And or when whatever. he came back, they were like, "Uh, you see that line that you were not supposed to step past? Yeah, you got to stay in your room for eight days now." Yep. <laughs> And he has the quarantine, um, and it, it, it. We could just see the players already making bad decisions. Oh man, we've we've already heard about women getting flown out. Yep, we've already heard about women getting flown out. We've already that was had, happen. heard about people not wearing their mask. Knew that was going to happen. Um, I don't understand the need to even look at pussy, to even just look at pussy. During a quarantine, when you have Taylor Rooks on site, well, you know, you know somebody's shooting a shot. Yeah, they they might miss though. Uh, That's the thing. I mean, they're probably they, gonna they, miss. They, they're going because Taylor miss. Rooks is a professional. Yeah, she ain't here for that shit. <laughs> she, Taylor Rooks is definitely. I have to say, I commend women in sports journalism for the bullshit they put up with. Um. And above all, Taylor Rooks is definitely a professional, and um, is she is to be taken seriously at all times. Uh, she suffers no fools. Um, I definitely I forgot I I wish I had the interview on on hand, but she was definitely interviewing a player that I bullshit you not. I wish I had it. I I definitely I thought I sent it to you, but um. It was like, is there anything you would like to say to your other players? And he was basically like, don't leave, don't break quarantine, and don't fly in bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and Taylor Rooks could not believe that he said this on camera. It was hilarious. But yeah, I think that, and I think that all the news around the hilarious parts of people breaking quarantine and all that shit is burying the lead, really, at the idea that the NF, the the in the NFL, the NBA is going through all this trouble to finish off the season. It's like ten games. They're just going to get to the point where the 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 champion is the the one team that gets to suit up five people. <laughs> you already know, man. You just have to meet quorum. People, people gonna be people gonna be dropping like flies. I, you can already see it. James Harden already showed up with a with a thin blue line bandana. What on his is face. Blue Lives Matter bandana on? And was like, I didn't know, which I believe because 
Yeah. A Rhodes Scholar, James Harden is not. No. Um, but just make just the making of bad decisions and the fact that the NBA wants niggas on the court making them advertising dollars this badly that they are willing to go boy in the bubble just to see this happen. Because let me tell you something. The UFC is not going to all these measures. <laughs> I, mean, they, I mean, they don't have people in the, in the arena. But at the same time, let me tell you something. The, you know, I was watching last night. You know, they have the obligatory walk-in shot where the, the main card is walking in the arena mm-hmm. with, their, with their little duffel bag and shit. He had a mask on. <laughs> But when I tell you he was dapping up and shaking hands and and bringing it in for the hug with every person he saw mm. on site to welcome him, mm. no social distancing whatsoever. Yeah. And I don't even understand why they wear masks at the little weigh-in face-off. Because y'all ain't wearing them during the fight. It's just the y'all got y'all in each other's face with the mask with the mask on at the weigh in, but y'all ain't got masks on at the fight, and y'all are touching each other. It's the appearance of responsibility. Dana White don't give a fuck, man. And let me just say on a side note to those of you uh, who keep up with Fight Island, who who keep up with me, keeping up with UFC, Fight Island is a jip. I'm so glad I had not paid money for the. Well, I, I watched it, but I didn't pay money for this fight card. Let me tell you something. The way Dana was promoting this shit, you would think Fight Island was like Bloodsport. You would think that they were going, that he was going to create this feel of like a Mortal Kombat thing. Where it's like torches everywhere and it's outside and they have a little old school bamboo fighting ring and all that shit. It's another arena. They built another indoor arena. (laughs) It looks like every other indoor UFC fighting arena I have ever seen watching UFC. Ever. And and what's fucked up, and the thing that they reel you in with, is that in all the promos, they do that little bird's eye view. They have a ring. They have a, a fighting ring that says Fight Island outside the building. Outside the building. Outside the building and on the beach. And it looks like that's where the fight would be held. Mm-mm. But no, it's inside. What the fuck? Dana Dana White just... Dana White is a money-grubbing fuck. I just have to say. And this is coming from somebody that loves MMA and that loves what UFC does bring to the table. But I can't say that without saying that um, Dana White thinks he's Vince Vince McMahon's character back in the day on wrestling. He is a money-grubbing fuck and does not give a damn. Uh, so glad I paid money for that. Uh, that's my little sports UFC rant. Um, what else happened? August Alcina wrote an entanglement song. Not surprising and unfortunate. Um, I've not heard the song. Uh, Randall's heard the song. Uh, according to him, it's okay. So, my thing is... I guess I don't understand the backlash. I guess I don't understand the backlash. Oh my god, it was just, he's an opportunist. He's just he's just using this to get y'all. 
artists have been writing about relationships that went badly, whether they be with other celebrities or with nobodies, since the beginning of time. Forever. I submit that we didn't get the heat from Lenny Kravitz for real until Lisa Bonet left. Yeah. I mean, he was putting out good good music, but I don't think we got the heat until post-Lisa Bonet. Because Five was an amazing album. Um, and it goes back further than that. People have been doing it. What the fuck do y'all think Janae has been doing? Man. <laughs> what? Kaylani, she she catches YG fucking around and then puts out the most toxic album ever. By the way, Janae Aiko just released a deluxe version of her Chalumbo album on Friday featuring a remix of Back of My BS with Kalani. <laughs> I do like the I do like the the deluxe cuts on that album. Hey man, if if look, look we gonna get extra toxic. That's what she we, said. <laughs> that's right. so, oh, I can get Kalani on this bitch now. Let's right. go. She got Mila J on the song. Oh yeah, show sure did. I like that song too. Yeah. Um, and let me tell you something. This is not new. Talking about relationships that you've been in that affected you deeply is the whole reason Sade has a career. Yep. That well, yeah. <laughs> Most of it. I'll go back one further for you. Um, Marvin Gaye wrote Here My Dear that was entirely about his ex-wife that was very publicly about his ex-wife who was very publicly Barry Gordy's daughter and he definitely very publicly made it with the intention of it being bullshit only because he knew she was getting the proceeds now if that ain't petty I don't know what is, but y'all got bars for August Alcina? That's so weird. Y'all didn't say shit when JT was getting his shit off about Britney Spears? Mm-hmm. Video and everything. With a Britney clone in the video and shit. Mariah was getting her shit off about Eminem. Why are you so obsessed with me? I'm just saying, this isn't new. And the fact that people are acting like this is new, artists will be talking about their bad relationships forever and ever. That's what art. That's what they do. Sometimes that's the best music. All the all the great art in the world was probably made about somebody getting their heart broken, with the exception of "To Pimp a Butterfly." <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling y'all, this shit ain't new. If I ever, if I ever make some if I ever make some art that's out that's not um, you know a Peter Pan comic book. It will probably be about a relationship that went bad. <laughs> I can just tell you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hope that's not a warning to any of my exes that listen to this. <laughs> Consider this a warning <laughs> to any of his exes that listen to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's how it works, y'all. And I don't understand the extra drag on him because it's the Smiths. Everybody's like, oh, well, because he's naming names and shit. Man, Marvin Gaye had a song on Here My Dear called Anna's Song. And he said Anna like 72 times. Yeah. Also, y'all, um, Jada hosted an entire Facebook segment. <laughs> the most watched Red Table Talk ever. Specifically to talk about him. 
Specifically. So let him get his let him get his darts off. Let that man get his shit off. Y'all ain't got shit to say when it's Summer Walker or none of them. Yeah, Summer Walker got the most public got the most public relationship you have ever seen with London. Yeah. <laughs> and I can guarantee you the next time London fuck up, we're gonna get a fire ass album out of it. <laughs> so let this man get his shit off. <laughs> so what if Rick Ross's verse was mediocre? <laughs> Let the man get his get his joint off. I mean, but how is that different from any other Rick Ross? Hey, verse? hey, 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 hey! Name two good Rick Ross verses, man. Do it. I name name them two. I mean, <laughs> the entire the entire Teflon Don two album. Okay, um, Teflon Don. Okay, Teflon the song Don he uh, the Scotty Beam song he did with Freddie Gibbs. That verse is nice. He did a Scotty Beam song. Well, the name of the song is Scotty Beam. It's by Freddie Gibbs featuring Rick Ross. It has nothing to do with Scotty Beam. Oh, okay. I was trying to figure that out. <laughs> uh, you know, Devil in the Dress from, okay. I believe, the Kanye album. Or yeah. I mean, you know, I can. Yeah, you know, okay. I'm okay. Not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to see. I have, I, I have to tread carefully. I feel, about, my, I feel about Ross lyrically the way you feel about Wale. Mm. Oh, man. Amazing! The man has amazing beats. Oh my goodness! He has amazing beats. Uh, he has amazing production quality. But I can't tell you a single memorable thing that Rick Ross has ever said. Not a one. I just, you know, I just I have to trade carefully. Oh, just because I don't want to like the boss. I'm I, I like I like Rick Ross's music. I even like a lot of the things he says vocally, but I'm not. To, I'm not about to. I'm not about to go over that cliff with it. Okay. I'm not. Okay, I'm not going to be that dude. I'm not fair gonna enough. All right. All right. Uh, I, I keep. The, you know. I, I appreciate his contributions. <laughs> um, and fuck Wally. <laughs> God damn. Um, here's another one I found interesting. Um, Viola Davis. Uh, was recently doing a, a an interview. I believe this was with Vanity Fair. Maybe the, and maybe this is the maybe this is the 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 magazine she was in where she was looking incredible. Uh, I know she recently did a photo shoot. She was looking amazing. Uh, again, again, in case you didn't know, Viola, Viola Davis is one of my older woman crushes. Um, where yeah. our sex tape would be incredible. Mm. Um, vocal. I'm just telling you. So, oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Get the little snot bubble. Right with the snot bubble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Too far. A little bit. A little. Too bit. far. That's yeah. what this. That's what this show is. For. Yeah. Yeah. We're drinking. It's fine. Um. <laughs> god damn it. See y'all. Y'all don't have to go to a bar to do shit like this. <laughs> listen to this show you know what i'm saying it's like uh, this is happy hour this is happy hour with your favorite two niggas golly man um i just got a text from my ex that says i'm sure you've heard the entanglement song i have see, <laughs> we just got see, to get our shit I'm off i'm just saying y'all you heard it here first <laughs> oz's next project <laughs> is about one of you Oh man, are they on notice? <laughs> yeah, all of y'all are on notice. 
Okay, Viola Davis, y'all. Uh, she was doing an interview with, uh, I believe this was Vanity Fair, uh, where she was talking about um, her role on The Help. And that she kind of regrets it uh, in retrospect. Um, that The Help, she says The Help was, quote, this is according to Shadow and Act, by the way, um, that The Help was, quote, created in the filter and the cesspool of systemic racism. Uh, finding the other quote, quote, not a lot of narratives are also invested in our humanity, Davis said. They're invested in the idea of what it means to be black, but it's catering to the white audience. The white audience at the most can sit and get an academic lesson in the how we are. Then they leave the movie theater and they talk about what it meant. They're not moved by who we were. Um, there's, there's no one who's not entertained by the help. But there's a part of me that feels like I betrayed myself and my people because I was in a movie that wasn't ready to tell the whole truth. Um, okay, so I, I, and this is one of the reasons I like Viola Davis. She's very vocal mm-hmm. about the role she's in, why she took the role, and kind of whether or not that role was significant to her personally. Um. There's a very honest quality to her. And I think that's why and I think there's a big part of why we like her. Yes. Um funny enough, it made me think of Octavia Spencer, who was also in the help. <laughs> who, you know, like Viola Davis has definitely gone down a different career path. She's definitely taken some pivotal roles um that we can appreciate for the culture. She was in uh she was in Antoine Fisher. Um she was in um Oh shit! 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 She was in Fences. Yeah. Um. Just the fact that August Wilson work is getting put out there is crucial. Yep. Um. She is the second best representation of Amanda Waller I have ever seen in the mm. DC universe. Uh. Respect to CCH Pounder. Um. And you know she takes good work that she actually seems to be invested in to a degree. Yes. Meanwhile, you have Octavia Spencer, who every time I can think of some racially questionable fuck shit in a movie, she has somehow been adjacent. With the exception of with the exception of maybe that episode of Drunk History. Why was I thinking the exact same thing? <laughs> and I was like, damn, it'd be fucked up for me to say that, but you said it. So um it's fucked up for you to say it. <laughs> But I agree with it. <laughs> I mean, think about it. So she was in Ma, which is basically, which is basically a mammy that turned into a murderer. Wow. Which I am not above watching. Yeah. But again, it, a lot of her shit is very much created. A, a lot of the shit she's involved with seems to very much be next to the white gaze. Yeah. And I don't want. I don't want this to take away from the work that she's done in the community because she definitely paid a lot of money for a lot of little kids to be able to go see Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Which is, I consider it to be an important movie when we talk about black cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just always in, in adjacent to some fuck shit. Before I left, I was flipping channels and I saw um, that SWAT was on TV. SWAT is one of these fuck. It was one of these fuck shit movies that you can kind of have on as background noise while you're doing other things. Yeah. 
Um, it was not great because Colin Farrell is not in good things. Except I actually saw it in theaters. And oh shit! That was that was my bad. And there was a scene with LL Cool J where he's chasing down some criminal. Of course, a black dude wearing Lakers colors. Mm. Um, and he finally and he and he finally tackles him, and he's putting him in the he's putting him in the cop car. And there's Octavia Butler. In full mammy form, sweeping the steps on her porch. <laughs> You're just hauling other black men off the prison. You're just perpetuating the cycle, ain't you? Hello, Cool J says, We'll see how liberal you are when he's breaking in your house. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh huh, my ass. And just always adjacent. Actual, actual dialogue. Actual, that is actual dialogue from the, from the movie, by the way. Wow. Um, we see how well some of these cop movies are are aging. <laughs> I'm not even gonna get started again on on Sam Jackson and Shaft screaming it's Giuliani time. <laughs> That's some fuck shit for your ass. And just every time I think of Octavia Spencer, Octavia Spencer, she's in some adjacent ass shit to some white gays fuck shit. She was in the Divergent movie. Oh, that's unfortunate. And she mm-hmm. was she was representative of the house that was all passive, mm-hmm. um, that was passive and nonviolent. While while uh, Kate Winslet's cute ass was uh, the main villain and all the fuck shit. I'm amazed that you remember so much about a terrible movie like that. As a as somebody who worked in a bookstore for ten ah, years, right. I always took I always took time to look at all the young adult. You're right. Teen fiction shit. Um, that and I just remember Mackay Pfeiffer's fat head in it. Good. Mackay Pfeiffer is not aging well, y'all. I just love that all the people that were heartthrobs with their perfect bodies and shit when I was growing up are now are, are now living with that freshman fifteen plus twenty, mm. and they got them fat heads and they can take work where they don't feel like working out anymore and shit. What up, Omar Epps? Shout out to Omar Epps. I will definitely have some commentary about Fatal Affair next week. <laughs> oh, you gonna watch it? I'm putting myself on the spot. I'm gonna have some commentary about Fatal Affair. I might live tweet it. Damn. Um, we are going to. Is there anything else on the docket? We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back with more foolishness and fuckery. You are listening to Opinions While Black, sober conversation with the least sober team in podcasting. Pour up. Pour up. And we are back. Yep. We are black. Mm. We are opinionated. Certainly. And I have to say, this this Deep Eddie is hidden. Yeah, it's hidden. It is hidden. I love this shit. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't t- we didn't talk about it, and I don't I don't bring this up to talk about Kanye particularly, mm-hmm. but I don't remember whether or not we talked about this last week or if it, it I guess it happened this week. So, uh, Kanye dropped out of the race. Shock. <laughs> I don't know if you could drop out if because I, I don't know if he was even on the ballot. Um, <clears throat> but I bring this up because you know Chance the Rapper has kind of this unconditional love for Kanye. We we should save this for our top three. Shut the fuck up. We should because a, it ties in too. It does. It does. Yeah. That's true. You're right. 
I, you know, we're gonna go ahead and stow that. We'll be we'll <laughs> we'll be back with it in the last segment. Yeah. Um, for now, it's time for white people must be stopped. Skirt, skirt. Um, there are there are two batshit lunatic stories. One of them is batshit that I wanted to bring up. Um, I don't even need to go too deep into it. Um, there's a there's a woman, a 20 year old woman. Who quit her job and now earns six figures a month? A month, pretending to be a dog. A twenty-year-old woman who loves to play fetch and get head scratches said she now earns six figures a month by pretending to be a dog. This is according to Unilad.com. Uh, Jenna Phillips from Austin, Texas, of course, of course. Of course. Of course, of course, broadcasting straight from Portlandia, feels she has a much stronger connection to our four-legged friends. Since she was little, Jenna has felt like a dog so much that she used to pretend she was a puppy while growing up. Um, and there's actual no, I don't want to see. I don't want to. I don't want to see the video of her acting like a dog. Um, when she was older, Jenna visited a convention in Chicago where she met a couple of men who were into the pet play scene, and the encounter inspired her to learn more. During the two years she worked as a clinical optician, Jenna set up an OnlyFans account to share her kink with others, though the first 18 months it was, it was home to more vanilla content, which means she was probably showing her titties. Um, quote, I feel like a dog. I just want to roll around, play fetch, and get head scratches, run around and play. All of that. I've always acted like a puppy, but not in, se in a sexual way at first. I really love praise. I love hearing good girl. It makes my heart melt every time. Don't even need to go any further. Um, yeah. I brought this up in this segment because this is only some shit white people can get away with. All of these things would be demeaning to black people. And I'm going to tell you something else. It's shit that only the thick white women can get away with. Because that was the first thing I said when I saw this shit. I was like, I was like, oh, she on her Lewinsky. I feel you. <laughs> she thick as fuck. And it's only the thick, like, like the, thick white women are the only ones who get away with this. Because let me tell you something. If this was like Paris Hilton or some shit. Yeah, that would really be weird. That'd be weird and we'd be laughing at it. But this definitely looks like somebody Craig Lindsay's into. Damn. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, Damn. He's, he's, he doesn't make it a secret. He likes he likes the full-figured, plus-size white women. I like plus-size women. I mean, he ex seems to exclusively like plus-size white women, but whatever. Um, this is something only white women can get away with. Only. Only. Niggas, a black woman would never be caught doing this. And if she did, she would be dragged beyond existence. Well, it, she would be dragged because it. black women tend to more embrace the role reversal. Mm -hmm. Black people tend to more embrace the role reversal because our history is one of um, reluctant subservience, yeah. i.e. slavery. So the opportunity to be in control... Is definitely a popular one. Yep. Um, yeah, this shit is this shit is wild. And of course, this is a white woman named Jenna from Austin. All of that just tracks. Um, on to slightly less kinky fare, and that's not the kink shame. 
But to slightly less kinky fare, a follow-up from an earlier story. We talked about Trina McGee, who played Angela on Boy Meets World. Um, she, she has come out and gotten her shit off a little more. She ended up doing a spot on uh, Girl Meets World, which is the, you know, Boy Meets World, the new class or whatever. And um, she's been following up on her experiences. God damn, she's, she's 50? Really? She's 50. How? She, her, right there, is 50. How? Bruh. Mm-mm. Man, look. It don't crack. It's true. It don't. Mm-mm. Um, uh, but she was, she was definitely talking about on Twitter, uh, how going on Girl Meets World was not a good experience for her and how everybody, excluding Ryder Strong, who played Sean, um, was rude to her. And, um, basically she went on Girl Meets World and, you know, so follow up, I remember her saying earlier they had called her Aunt Jemima and Bitter Bitch, um, which is not uncommon for black women who kind of take who kind of take their jobs seriously to be Damn. called um, much to their detriment. Uh, again, the protection of black women. If you didn't understand why black women feel this way, you feel it more now Damn. as it goes on. Um, because I can tell you, at my job, I was allowed to be moody and distant and not talk to anybody. Yeah, and people just gave me the benefit of the doubt. It was like, oh, Oz is a good guy. He's just like that. And just move on. I didn't get called bitter nigga. I didn't get called angry. Me and the other distant people called ourselves the Sith Lords. But other than that. Damn. Um, and so um, last month, uh, Danielle Fischel, who played uh, Topanga. I'm regretting to report this. Unfortunately, she admitted on Twitter that uh, she was not ni- that she was not nice to Damn. Trina McGee on set, and that she was a little cold and distant during uh, Girl Meets World during filming Girl Meets World, and also um, when filming Boy Meets World uh, back in the day. And she only got called out about this because she was uh, she's been she's definitely been on social media advocating for Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. and someone called her on and was like, "So are you going to apologize to?" To the person that you were mean to on set, damn. And she definitely apologized on social media, and okay. she said that uh, Trina McGee definitely accepted her apology. Um, That's a good example of white people being stopped. I I apologized. Uh, I owed I owed Trina McGee an apolo- uh, apology for being rude, cold, and distant when she guest starred on Girl Meets World. Trina and I spoke over a month ago, and she gracefully accepted my apology. Um. Man, it it sucks to hear, but I'm glad I'm glad that this was resolved responsibly. She owned up to it. And that this didn't turn into a Twitter beef or a Twitter war. Mm-hmm. I will say this, just looking at her picture next to Trina McGee's picture, I will say the the notes about racism and kind of rudeness have not aged her face well. Topanga did not age well in the face in the in the face of this. <laughs> I have to say, whatever whatever fountain Stacy Dash was denied mm. once she came out to be on that fuck shit, man, I feel like they took it away from Topanga. It's like they just stopped giving you the serum. <laughs> 
Shit. They gave they they gave her the temporary shit version of the shit they gave Captain America. Yeah, when they find out you ain't about shit, they're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> it does not take long at all. Um, that hurts. It, it, it just hurts to hear. There, there are just no white, safe places in your mind. Because I know from my generation, Damien's a little older. In my, in, for my generation, uh, which is just not far behind him. But Boy Meets World was one of the few kind of predominantly white shows that every black person I knew actively fucked with. Yeah. And to realize that a lot of the people on set were on that fuck shit. And she says she has not spoken to Ben Savage in years and doesn't intend to. Um, to hear that Eric, the brother, Eric Matthews was on that bullshit. And still gets hella work to this day. Um, voice acting work, but still. But like that's it, there's just there's just nothing there's nothing good to believe in anymore. Right. Because Boy Meets World was the most earnest, dorky, kind of pure without being corny shit ever. And you can't even believe in that anymore. Cause they're all they're all they're all on that fuck shit. This is bullshit. I hate it. I hate it. But that needed to come out, and I'm glad that Trina McGee got some kind of um, emotional restitution right. uh, for the bullshit she went through. Uh, so cheers to her. Hopefully she gets more work in the future. If she wants more work, I don't know. Um, send your racist stories, your real-life racist encounters, along with your listener letters, your questions for myself, D. Randall, or any of our guests that we ever have on this show, please send them to opinionswhileblack at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Or you can log on to opinionswhileblack.com uh, and find any way to get in touch with us there on social media, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Uh, we'll be right back with the, uh, with the final, with your listener letters and top three STFUs. You're listening to Houston's most savage podcast. Pour up. That's right. And we are back. Mm-hmm. We are black. Mm-hmm. We are opinionated. Oh yeah. And day drinking, day drinking is definitely a godsend. Whew. Whoever ended it, invented days and drinking, you are to be commended. Cheers to you. Um, it's time for your listener letters. Um, I have to say, y'all have not let me down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these listener letters are great, one way or the other. I see y'all are trying to. Y'all trying to class up the joint a little bit with these real, with these real hard hitting questions and shit. Y'all asking real questions and shit. <laughs> knowing we, knowing we drunk as fuck by this segment. Um, Halaval uh, asks, "What's your forecast for the economy for the rest of this fuck shit 2020?" That's an adult ass question. That's a super adult question. Wow. Um, so I will, I, I will give my little bullshit. Um, I feel like the economy was pretty bad before there was a pandemic unprecedented, at least for the past hundred years. Um, there was a, the economy was pretty shitty then. I don't expect it to get better overnight considering we've seen the worst unemployment 
and um, record lows in consumer spending. Uh, I don't expect it to get better overnight. I will say that you know, I will say personally as some advice. Uh, if you come into five or six dollars or something uh, that you can burn and you ain't going nowhere, Robinhood is doing fractional stocks. Fractional stocks, so you can buy a piece of a stock. You can find, uh-huh. you know. So if 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 Amazon's selling stocks for a hundred dollars, you can jump in for five or ten dollars and watch that money grow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So just so you know, uh, it's free to get on. It's free to start, um, and also, I I don't know this for sure, but since people are foreseeing people getting out and about and outside being open in 2021, airline stocks might be a reasonable thing to invest in. Maybe I'm thinking maybe just 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 thinking out loud. That's there's nothing to prove any of this is right. Um, <laughs> D. Randall spent a lot of time in finance, so I, spent, I will uh, spent fifteen. Ease. Yeah, I spent fifteen years in the financial services industry. One thing that tends to happen historically, well, we're we're kind of in an historical era right now, where uh, because of the pandemic, a global pandemic, mind you, uh, our economy is very depressed. We're experiencing record-shattering. Unemployment numbers only seen since the Great Depression, and we're seeing underperformance in the markets. And and it's an election year, of course. And and typically the market, as we get closer to an election, tends to kind of stagnate a bit. And then right after the election, regardless of the result, there's there's a nice little bump. Uh, one thing that I will tell you is that I've I've even though I'm not in that industry anymore, I can't help but see bad advice all over the place when I come across it. Um, if you are looking to invest in something, look at what's being hit the hardest right now. Look at what's being, look at what's underperforming right now because it means that those stock prices are going down. And if you could buy them cheap, buy them cheap and then prepare for the pop whenever we get towards the end of the year or whenever it starts to get out of it. Um, and that's, that's contrary to what a lot of people believe about buying stocks in in that they tend to buy when stocks are at a high when stocks are doing extremely well knowing that the market fluctuates why buy something when it's at its highest price buy something that's a little beat up so just like he said these airline stocks they're getting beat up some of these airlines have to lay off more than 90 percent of their workforce which means those stock prices are going to go down. They're going to be cheap compared to where they normally are. Right. And I know I sound like I sound like one of those dudes right now, but again, we're talking if we're talking about investing in the economy, that's just common sense. Buy the ones that are getting beat up because you're not looking to make money right now right now, but when they appreciate in price because they will once the economy starts to improve, then you'll see your gains come in. That's just free advice for me. I'm not going to give you more than that. Um, the short answer to your question, the, the economy is going to be what it is probably th- probably through election season. And there's usually there's usually an election bump afterwards. Again, regardless of who makes it, there's usually a bump. Okay, okay. There you go. There's see, see, but see, we're not we're not anti-financial literacy. 
We're just anti-people shoving it down people's throats. I personally have been increasing my positions in technology stocks. Hey. Because um, people, more and more people are working remotely now. And if you can locate any type of stocks or funds that, um, you know, are directly or indirectly tied into um, telecommunications or working remotely. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give any names because nobody's paying right. me to do it. Right. Also, as you know, as terrible as it sounds, invest in healthcare stocks. I I was just about to jump in with that one. Yeah, I was looking at medicine stocks as well. Yeah. Because everybody's racing towards that vaccine. Yeah. And whoever comes with that vaccine, that stock is going to jump. Yeah. And if you are confused about which particular stock to invest in, just look at index stocks that that invest yep. in the entire index. Of healthcare products and uh, not products, healthcare companies, and uh, it will give you a similar performance. Um, you know, so yeah, there's that, and um, honestly, I'm not again, I'm not going to give any names, but there are certain titan companies out there that mm-hmm. run and own a lot of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty sure one of them starts with a G. Yeah. Um, those are companies where I feel like if you have $5 laying around, you want to do a fractional share of something. Yep. Those stocks aren't, those companies aren't going to go anywhere anytime soon. Right. And you could always just put $5 there and forget about it. And a year later, that looks, that looks like something. Yep. Um, you know, it really depends on what you want to do. Just think about the long game versus the short game do you want to make some sh- do you want to make some some mid to some short to mid money for vacation season next year um are you laying something away for a, a college or retirement fund these are all things you can consider uh when you put your money somewhere so just suggestions you know um jen page on facebook asked why is megan being shot such a damn joke why is it open season on black women who speak up about it not being a joke? When black men get shot, there are no memes made. So why is it okay to ridicule black women that get shot? Because black women are the least protected in our society. Period. They're at the bottom of the food chain. Um, we see this in every facet of our culture. This is including and especially among the black community. Um... It's always a joke when it's Megan. And people want to do this thing where, well, she talks about this, this, that, and the third, so she can't be surprised when she's living that lifestyle or whatever. Rappers have been faking living the lifestyle for years. And if you want to go by that logic, there's a lot of, there's a lot of male rappers that need to get shot too. Mm. Biggie would have Biggie would have deserved to get shot if we go by that logic, and he didn't. And I think this is the part where where respectability politics come in, and we can go ahead and safely say nobody deserves to get shot. No, Jam Master J did not deserve to get shot. Certainly, and he Run DMC in their later years lived a pretty square life. So what the fuck? are black men talking about when they talk about people living these lifestyles half the niggas you listen to live a life that do or don't live a lifestyle common does not deserve to common wouldn't deserve to get shot just the same as uh jadakiss or jay-z would either 
Jay-Z talked about robbing niggas for a long time. Yep. He does not deserve to get shot. Freeway does not deserve to get shot. I'm just saying, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's nasty, and it's 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 so much of the reason black women don't feel protected right now. Um, also, I think part of it, and this is not excusing anyone, is people are looking for things to joke about because things are so deathly serious and horrible. Yeah, because people are definitely making memes about dudes getting shot. Really? They are. I mean, yeah. not nearly as many. Well, they're they're also just as just as prone to 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 do a you know free so and so or get well soon to those people as well. Uh, yeah, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, of is there doesn't seem to be as much of a balance. There's not a lot of sympathy. Yeah, there just seems to be so much novelty to to black women getting shot because again people don't value their safety and and protection as much as they should. Yeah, I, that's wild to me, and it's nasty. Um, let me see. Uh, we had a Twitter. Uh, we had a Twitter question. Let me get away from this article about Stephen A. Smith and his opinions. Uh, fuck Stephen A. Smith and his forehead. And his forehead that looks like a topographical, a topographical map of the Million Man March being dispersed by the police. Damn. Um. Tales to Enrage on Twitter asked, This week, my wife, we are both white, told me about a black male co-worker of hers who was unpleasant to her, but hits on all the women of color at their job. Is this an understandable distrust of white people, or could it be something more specific on his part? We've talked about this, and we've talked about how there are black people meetings. Yep. And it speaks to that... When you have black people at any job, whether they fuck with each other or not, black people tend to gravitate towards one another. And they tend to make their own community within that work ecosystem. True. Um, I definitely had this at my job where, uh, you know, we didn't have as many black people meetings. But there were times, there was a younger kid that I worked with. um, we, We called all the young kids the new class. And there was a young kid that had a lot of kind of, he was the beginning of a lot of misogynistic thoughts and kind of, uh, you know, kind of, you could see that he had been, he he hadn't been exposed to as much. Um, And, you know, I could see he was going down a path where I I had been at one point. And so I did pull him to the side and we did have a couple of talks on some books he should, he should read. And just the way he was looking, the way he was evaluating uh, his non-black co-workers and how that was going to be perceived uh, in a multicultural workspace. Right. You have to have that talk. Yes. And we had to talk about how to deal with our fuck shit black manager uh, who was setting him up to be treated like, you know, Dwight on the office. And it was like, you know, and how to how to navigate that within a black continuum and right. not be looked at a certain way. Right. But that's just my perspective. Uh, Randall is in management. If he and, mm-hmm. and if he sees something different, I don't know. Well, um, yeah. I mean, even outside of of being in management, um, 
you know, I've, I've, most of my professional life, I've been in spaces where I was one of very, very few black people in a particular setting. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's true. And it, it's just one of those things that happens. We tend to migrate towards each other. Yeah. It's just, it's just a natural thing that happens. Um, I, I think my, my follow-up question to this one, and, and this is not doubting the, the validity of her statement is, is she absolutely sure that the, that the coworker is being, what, what was the word that she used? Did she uh, say? Did she say disrespectful? No. Um, unpleasant. Unpleasant. Are we sure that he's being unpleasant, or is he just not affording the same type of attention? Right. That, and, and, and again, that's not to. If he's being unpleasant, fine. I, you know, I, I believe you on that. Maybe but, he doesn't feel the same chemistry. Right. Maybe. Maybe in his mind, he's not being dis, un, He's not being unpleasant. Maybe he's just aloof, maybe. distant. Distant, Maybe right. he's just uninterested in, I, and I know that's a having tough, a bond, right? Finding I, that common ground, right? And, and I, that happens at the job too. And, and I know it's tough to say. You know, to me, being unpleasant means that he's actively being unpleasant, doing disrespectful you. things, or having an attitude. Yeah. Um, I know I had a couple of coworkers like that where it took a minute for us to find mm-hmm. that common ground. Yeah. Uh, I. I I don't know if, you know, I can't speak to him for him to say whether or not this is an understandable distrust of white people. It could just be very simply that he's just more comfortable around black women. Which it, is fine. It, which is, uh, you know, and it may have nothing to do with you specifically. Uh, it, could, it could have everything to do with his uh, level of comfort around black women in particular. And, you know... Uh, there are many black people who do have a distrust of white people in corporate settings. This is true. That That is a thing. Um, it is a thing that exists. It's not anything that you necessarily need to be worried about. Just know that there are a lot of people, a lot of, I hate using the term minority, but a lot of non-white, black and indigenous people of color. Correct. Okay, yeah, in, yeah. We're and using the terms. BIPOC. There are a lot of BIPOCs in corporate spaces who use that as a, as a survival technique. I mean, you, people tend to cling to the people that they're familiar with, and that becomes their support system. Yeah. It's and just, it's kind of inherent. It's, like, yeah. it's just like in neighborhoods, people have, a lot of black people have a natural inherited distrust of the police. Yeah. It's just one of the things that we're taught as a survival tool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully that helps. Uh, last question. Michelle has uh, a question. I think I, I think we can definitely look to our local mm-hmm. Sunnyside correspondent. Uh oh. I have recently been staying in Sunnyside. Yes, go. I noticed there is there aren't any little free libraries. If you look at the map, they sent us a map actually. Mm-hmm. There's a huge gap of missing libraries. Uh, why and what can we do? Okay. Um, well, there is a public library. The Johnson Branch Library okay. is on Reed Road, um, just west of Scott Street. All right. That one has been in Sunnyside for as long as I can remember. I mean, going back to when I was a child. Gotcha. Um, when the world was in black and white <laughs> that long ago. Uh, but she's, if you're talking about the, the little rent 
kind of like the, the the little community rental free those, libraries those little mailbox libraries yeah no nah, that's 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 never gonna happen in sunnyside because <laughs> um now she does have interest in starting one i don't know what the demand is going to be for that the demand will not be high for that and I, i'm just being i'm just being very honest yeah um It's going to become a longer conversation than I have time for today. But people in Sunnyside are just not accustomed to having those types of services available to them. Um, Oh, of course. There's there's systemic reasons. Yeah, there there are very systemic reasons behind it. Um, That is not to discourage you. I would encourage you to partner with the local library, the Johnson Branch Library on Reed Road. To see what programs are available to increase um, readership. My, 100%. My wife actually used to work at that branch over there. Hey. And that was part of part of her job over there was to increase readership. And um, I would say that one hint for you may be to start with the children. Absolutely. They're 100%. The, they're the ones that are more likely to do it. Now, granted, the other, the other roadblock you're going to run into right now with the COVID is... You know, it, it'll be very difficult to share physical books amongst people, and with you know, with all the the social distancing concerns and the um, the threat of infection. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is also a good opportunity for you to think of something that will help people during this time. Because at, on the flip side of it, children are now at home more um, with. And they're becoming with this, they're becoming bored with the same diversions. I base this solely on the experiences of my nieces, who are ready <laughs> to get the fuck out of the house. And you know, one of my nieces has actually resorted to reading books, hey. <laughs> because she's sick of the internet and social media, and she's fourteen. So that that says a lot. Um, um, I can definitely say she also wanted to. She also wanted to know if we had any book or comic recommendations that her kid would be interested in i forgot exactly how old she said her kid was mm-hmm. but um i always when it comes to comics i always point to moon girl and devil dinosaur yep moon girl and devil dinosaur is one of the cutest displays of afro of afro futurism i've ever seen in my life um it's it's very much g it's very much rated g marvel um, and it takes a lot of those uh, more adult characters and kind of condenses them down to something that that is still pure, but that kids can read. Yep. There, uh, you know, Moon Girl has a has an ongoing war at school with the Kingpin's adopted daughter, which is hilarious. Um, and there are just there there's so many good things that I you know um, I I can't unpack right now about it but i do love that book uh moon girl and devil dinosaur is good for books i don't know how young when it gets to a certain youth I, and i don't know how advanced a reader the kid is uh tristan strong punches a hole in the sky uh is a good young mm. adult book um i definitely have a copy laying around that i haven't gotten to uh well i haven't finished actually um, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think those are a couple of good ones. Do you have anything? Uh, if they're a little older, if they're getting, 
more into their teens, there is a, a book that came out, uh, I want to say in 2019, called Sentient, which is kind of a like a space sci-fi okay. um, situation called Sentient. Sentient. Okay. Check that out. Um, another book that I, I believe we talked about on this podcast before was um, Far Sector. Far Sector, yes. The Green Lantern comic from DC. Uh, uh, N.K. Jemison. Yes. Very good book. Yes, very good book. I think it's up to six issues now. Um, very, a, a very good retelling of the Green Lantern mythos. Yep. With a with a very with a very very um, African American uh, female lead. Jamal Campbell is one of the best artists in the game right now. Yeah. I'm saying it. Jamal Campbell is like top three right now. He's fucking killing it in that yep. book. Um, uh, speaking of Jamal Campbell, he also does another book about a um, budding black uh, protagonist, Naomi. Oh yeah. Um, written by Brian Michael Bendis and David Walker. Yep. David, any, I, I will recommend any any book by David Walker um, is probably a good bet. Yeah. Um, David Walker is another one who is very uh, committed to representation in his community. And always has a good story about how to survive being black and or of color in his industry. Um, So, yeah, Naomi is another good one. On to the top three STFUs. Oh, thank you, everybody, for your listener letters. If you have any listener letters, please send them to opinionswhileblack at gmail.com and or... Uh, opinionswhileblack.com that will take you to any of our social medias Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram top for the top three STFUs who are the top three people in America that need to shut the fuck up let's go uh, we have a runner up Okay. our runner up is 50 Cent <laughs> almost made the list uh, just barely got inched out by uh, a well I'll get to that 50 Cent is a horrible person y'all 50 Cent was at, had the nerve to get jokes off about Megan Thee Stallion getting shot. Uh, posted a meme of Megan's face on Ricky from Boys in the Hood's body. Uh, which is just cruel. Um, first of all, if there's anyone who has no place to talk about anyone else getting shot, it's Curtis Jackson. Nobody. Curtis Jackson literally made his entire career off of the hype around him getting shot. Um, this Magilla Gorilla looking motherfucker. <laughs> I am so... I, I, and I, I was saying it online. I don't understand the reluctance to cancel him. I don't understand why it's taking people this long to get sick of his shit. Because niggas like watching power. Because niggas like watching power. By the way, still haven't seen a single episode. You, you ain't missing shit. You ain't missing shit. Book two is coming. I will probably be missing out on that shit. I don't want to see Tariq and his perfect... I don't want to see Ghost Son and his little perfect shape up running the streets. Fuck out of here. Um, 50 Cent is the worst nigga. He's the worst nigga. And he had the nerve to get his jokes off about... uh, To Will about Jada. Um, Mm. Let me tell you something. Will Smith, for for his old age, uh, is in great shape in his 50s. And looks absolutely like he can and will knock 50 Cent the fuck out. I am 100% a proponent of this movement. And he smashed Margot Robbie. So. And he smashed Margot Robbie. Allegedly. 
who do you have on your list other than old girl from Black Ink, uh, Chicago, and Vivica Fox, who will still not leave you the fuck alone? Who doesn't even look like Vivica anymore? So, yeah. Chill out. Shut the fuck up. And this is also another case of why black women do not feel protected. Uh, this this girl got shot in a traumatic event um, with a with a with a man who did not have her protection in mind. Um, and you cracking jokes. Fuck you. Fuck him. Suck my dick. Really? Why y'all still fuck with him? Why? Why does anybody take Fifty Cent seriously in any regard? You know what it is? Is that we just is that this generation, the one before, it descends from. A community that once, in the eighties and nineties going forward, valued money and valued capitalism and and being able to move strong in those capitalist spaces. Don't forget, not too long ago, we were all doing the puffy dance, yep, uh, in shiny suits. So I feel like that's carried over, and people just kind of give people that they deem successful a pass. That they deem a certain kind of successful. Mm-hmm. Nick Cannon is not good at anything. Nope. He's not good at anything, but he's good looking and rich. Yeah. He's good looking and rich, so we give him a lot of passes. Because he's successful. And he's the kind of successful that we perceive ourselves wanting to be. Even though we know now that capitalism is bullshit. And um, the worst thing it does is make us feel like a failure when we don't want to become part of it. So I think that's why we give uh, people like that a lot of passes. I have a whole thing. I I could do a whole episode about that. I'm not going to. Mm. Um, Number three. Number three is Jason Whitlock. Damn, it's been a while. Um, The the real life basis for the Mucinex man (laughs) is back in the news. Um, uh, and, And in case you're wondering... The search for his penis is still on. He has still not found it. Um, Jason Wicklock was getting bars off recently in an interview um, with Tucker Carlson. Why the fuck is anyone of color, anyone black, talking to Tucker fucking Carlson? It sounds like the procedure that needs to be performed on the back of his neck. Boy, I see you got twelve. You got a whole twelve pack there on the back of your neck. You ever thought about getting a <laughs> just getting a nice little Tucker Carlson yeah. back there? <laughs> Tighten your shit right up. Oh man! So, um, no, boss. I like looking like that. <laughs> I like looking like I got lips on the back of my neck. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it just like it is. Thank you for noticing my neck, Mister Charlie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help it, Jason. That shit is just everywhere. <laughs> um, so, uh, real life Yogi Bear was getting his shit off. This nigga's neck looks like a face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now he looks like a never-ending story character. <laughs> Looks like the rock biters. Oh, man. Oh, they look like strong hands. <laughs> <laughs> they look like Clayface. Oh, man. Uh, the animated version. Oh, damn. Um, so, uh, Whitlock was getting this shit off about um, how about his feelings on the NFL implementing 
the uh, Lift Every Voice, the Black National Anthem for uh, week one. Mm-hmm. And This uh, nigga ain't going to lift anything but a sandwich, though. <laughs> <laughs> lift every sandwich and sing. Give me some onion rings. Oh, man. So. Ass nigga. <laughs> So, okay, quote, um, and it, and, it, and it led him to feel like there was some, dem- I don't know why he feels like the NFL is just this this bastion for all things manly and tough, and uh, just, it, it, you sound like a six-year-old about this shit. You built like a six-year-old. <laughs> 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 oh, now he's built like the bully from Boy Meets World. Oh, <laughs> shit. Um, oh boy, uh, so Black Billy Bob, uh, from Varsity Blues, uh, was quoted, um, oh God, um, there's no way you can do any homework on Black Lives Matter and not see that it's a Marxist political organization. It's not about black death, it's about black men. It is a political move, it is a communist political move. If for those people that stand on religious values, uh, and this is where I this is where I say just a failure of men. I've seen many of these guys claim their Christianity and their religious beliefs. Do they understand Black Lives Matter? Communist Marxism is anti-religious. There's a historic failure in men and leadership. This is cowardice at the highest level. This is the NFL jumping the shark and saying we quit being who we said we are. We're now something else because our money's on the line and we don't stand for the values we said we stood for. First of all, (sighs) shout out. Shout out to Jason Whitlock, completely missing the point of what Marxism is. Um, As a journalist, I appreciate the fact that you have confused a socialist ideology with communism. You dumb fuck. I'd tell him to spell Marxism, but I'm I'm worried that he'd... uh, You you have to write it on the... You have to write it... (laughs) On a pizza, in order for him to even how it's spelled. I mean, he could probably spell it. He'd run out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> M. Spelling makes this nigga break a sweat. Like this nigga's glucose levels won't let him. <laughs> so I ain't never seen great. nobody with a type A personality <laughs> and type two diabetes. Fuck. <laughs> like this dude, man. Yeah. So. And call, That's not what Marxism is. It's not what Marxism is at, at all. all. Marxism is, is is more of an economic platform. Yes, it's a socialist platform. Black Lives Matter has nothing to do with any of those things that you mentioned, sir. It has nothing to do with any of that shit. You're just a fucking idiot. And and his this weird kind of childish like this this weird childish um way he kind of invokes the NFL as this central hub, this bastion for all things manly, manly and American. It's it's very cornball. It's very 1950s, and it just it sounds ridiculous. Because anybody, because any black man that wants to live like they did in the 50s is a lunatic. Because it was not nice to be black in the 50s. You know, you never see black time travelers. We don't want to go to other places. Not, none of them. We don't want to go. No, you know, black time travelers don't know, don't want to go nowhere but Egypt. Shit, and even then, and even then, you gotta, we, I ain't building no fucking pyramid. 
Suck my dick. Nah. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, they couldn't send me back there. I'd just be fucking all the... Well, I don't know if they all look Whitlock like that. just wants to travel back to the time he had his first Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, why is it, his role model is the Hamburglar? <laughs> Grimace looking at his. <laughs> but, but, no, this, again, man, this is, this is just another thing about people just spouting off a bunch of platitudes just to disagree for the sake of disagreement because that's the only platform that he has now is to disagree with shit that makes sense. Is to is to take the latest anti-black fuck shit yep. and take it over to the people that because you know as Jason Whitlock was he he was fired from Fox mm-hmm. uh, he was fired from his own project which was the the <laughs> under the the undefeated yeah and he and now he's gone completely over to the dark side uh, the Tucker Carlson's and the fuck and the the fuck shit there because no one else has a place for him. No one else has a place for him anymore. Nobody. And 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 he's he's trying to solidify himself in that bubble because people like Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity, that's the only place that they have any power on their own little sacred ground. Right. And so he's trying to solidify his power base there, and it's not working because he sounds ridiculous. And um, fuck you, Jason Whitlock. Get in the sweat towel. Shut somebody, the fuck up. Somebody teach this man about politics. I mean, you you know what political ideology has always failed, Jason Whitlock? Fascism, authoritarianism. Every time. Every time. And you you sit up there, you're completely supporting it. You sound ridiculous. Fuck you. Really. I Shut the fuck up. Um, I challenge you to not breathe through your mouth. The only per- and and the only person he has to say this to is Tucker Carlson and his Grubhub delivery guy. Wow, I bet he don't even tip. <laughs> what? I bet he don't even tip. Like, I bet you. Oh just, no, no. Like, I mean, I think that's just it's just a fundamental right, human right for you. Well, to he bring. probably he probably he probably has a little piggy bank of money under his titty. That's true. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Jason Whitlock. Uh, um. Number two is Talib Kweli, a returning champ. He's still at it. He is still on that black woman's ass. In case you did not watch the last, the in case you did not listen to the last episode, last week we reported that Talib Kweli had been harassing some woman on Twitter that brought his name up and was not actually talking about him, but uh, referenced a tweet. That his name was involved in, and he took it very personally, and he has been flaming this poor this poor woman's Twitter and hounding her to the ends of the fucking earth. Um. And he last I checked, I have not checked in this weekend, but as of Friday, I was told that he's still at it. And this woman, and this woman was like, "You've been you've been on my case for thirteen days," and he uh, vowed that he could be he could be on her case for thirteen years. Um, and his, the people that follow him have been flaming her. Apparently she is, apparently she has been threatened by people, by people in Tyler Qualley's camp. That usually happens. Yeah. Um, apparently she has been harassed. There have been death threats, whole nine yards, just the whole nine yards. It it is the fuck is the fuck nigga package. (laughs) I'm telling you, it is the standard package for fuck nigga them. 
Not only when you question a fuck nigga, first you had to get first you had to get muscled by their camp. Oh my goodness. Then their hive comes after you. It's it is a it is a complete fuck nigga package right now and it is sad for me coming from the dude who made brown skin lady. Uh, Not only that, he has a Me Too around the corner. Yeah, that came out on Twitter. It's coming. It's it, it, if it ain't here, it's coming. Um, uh, his his label mate definitely spoke up. Well, yeah, I mean, it's you know, I'm not a I'm not a gossip columnist or anything like that. But, sure. Um, you know, apparently a week ago he was at a baby shower for his, um, you know, for the baby that he's expecting. Um, however, this baby is not with his wife, but with his mistress. That started coming out. Um, the thing about him, I, I have to, I, I, let me say I don't know him personally, but I don't like what I know of him. Right. I have great disdain for what I know of him. And let me just say, well, no, go ahead and get your I, I, I feel like he puts way too much effort in trying to debate people online. Way too much. Way too much. And and even going back to the discourse that he had last week with um, uh, the crunk feminist team. Um, and there was a discrepancy with him trying to explain what was said at a certain... Um, on a call or a conference or whatever he, right. he participated in with them. He went through great length to point for point try to explain um what he was trying to say on that show and he you know he kind of he tried to leave it in his words at a at a respectful level like sometimes you just got to say that shit and keep it moving you don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to every single one and and the fact that he's so persistent in, in trying to be combative combative with people um it's just and it's something a, nasty that's exhausting, dog. And it's part of the reason that I don't take these hip hop heads seriously when they want to talk about the new the, the new generations and basically every basically all rap that happened after two thousand and two that they don't understand mm-hmm. and they always want to talk about how rap used to be good and all that shit. Y'all also have fuck niggas in the crew. Guess what? Russell Russell been fucking around for years. Africa Bombada been fucking little boys for years. And you had shit coming out about niggas like Talib Kweli. And, you know, the, the black women have already written comment off as a, as a documented hoe. So, it, 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 there's no purity. And I, that's why I don't take people seriously with this get-off-my-lawn shit. Because not everything about your era was pure. Talib Kweli is definitely proof of that. Uh, so, Talib Kweli can shut the fuck up. And the number one person... Who can shut the fuck up? A returning champion. Um, I, I'm starting to think this nigga is a front runner. Somebody on Twitter said he was a front runner for uh, the Donald J. Trump Award mm. uh, of uh, excellence in douchebaggery, uh, which happens at the end of the year for us. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the number one person is Terry Crews. Again. Terry Crews, you are the worst nigga. You are the worst nigga. There's not even a qualifier. There's not even a, a an adjective I can ac- I can accurately put with that that encompasses 
you're just you're a horrible you're the, a terrible horrible very very bad no good nigga fuck you man so one one he's strong and wrong still yeah. now he wants to defund Pornhub for some reason nigga leave Pornhub alone Pornhub ain't did nothing to you well I don't know that don't yeah. even make sense though I, I somebody said he used to have like a porn addiction or something yeah he did he he admitted to that. Nigga, don't blame Pornhub. Because if Pornhub didn't exist, then what would you call it? You know what I'm saying? Um, and also, Pornhub is not funded by tax dollars. At all. At all. Nigga. That's a private-owned company. And let me tell you something else. I hate when people do that. Because that's just like when Anthony Weiner had to go to counseling. Because he was addicted to... Uh, tweeting young girls mm-hmm. that Twitter is not if there wasn't any Twitter then what would be wrong with you then that's just like don't blame Pornhub because if Pornhub wasn't around you still find a way to get your shit you, as, as you have done as you, surely, as you surely have done as a matter of fact you were a better person when you were addicted to porn sir real talk no bullshit you might uh, consider going back and now this nigga is on Twitter. This 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 nigga has these little memes he's made about unifying white people and black people. Peace. Love, peace, unity. Yes. But the thing is, it's a collage with all these things unifying white people and black people. But in the middle, dead center, is this nigga shirtless flexing like he's like he's like he's going for the strongman contest. Like he wants us to know he has defeated every muscle group. <laughs> and it, 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 it's nasty. It's him centering himself when nobody asked for this. I'm I don't need to see your pecs under unity. Bro, you could have at least put a shirt on or just not included yourself in front of the message that you were trying to. Now y'all talking about August Alcina uh, being an opportunist. This nigga is an opportunist. This is opportunistic bullshit, nigga. You are the you and you just you just need to be shirtless. You think you that much of a sex symbol somewhere? Niggas ain't uh, women ain't ain't just chasing you like that. The fuck is wrong with you, Terry Crews? You are the worst. And the fact that you are leaning into this strong and wrong thing, like you're galvan, like you're galvanizing your people for something. And you don't, it's not like you have a project to launch. Is Brooklyn Nine-Nine even still in the fucking air? It is. Dude. You're not bringing anybody to an Andy Samberg uh, fucking uh, sitcom. You're not. This is how bad it is. It's so bad that another person with a bad opinion distanced themselves from you because of how bad. (laughs) Because of your support for them. So, here we go. So Kanye, so when Kanye was running, Chance, we all know Chance the Rapper has a has a, a thing for Kanye. He likes sucking his dick. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. Allegedly. Um, Allegedly. No one above his wife and Kanye. So he decided he was backing Kanye on social media and decided I was dying on this hill. That was exactly what he said. Sometimes you have to die on your hill. Terry Crews jumped in and retweeted his support. Uh, for Chance and for Kanye. 
and said that, well, the uh, chances uh, chances just realizing that something ain't right in the two-party system, blah blah blah, what have you. Um, the flip the flip around was quick. The minute <laughs> Terry Crews decided that he was support that he was supporting Chance, yep. who was supporting Kanye, Chance backpedaled. And rejected and rejected Terry Crews and didn't want anything to do with him. Oh, we have the tweet. I am for black liberation and do not accept my recent endorsement from Terry Crews. (laughs) (laughs) And then a few days later, and then a few days later, Kanye drops out of the race. I'm just going to assume it's because he too found out that Terry Crews was endorsing (laughs) him. (laughs) I love that Terry Uh, Crews has become this this new beacon of. Uh, how you know you're wrong. Yeah. Like, if Terry Crews supports you, you're probably wrong. Like, damn. If Terry Crews and Professor Griff yeah. are on your side, you're probably wrong about everything that's coming I, I, out of your Terry mouth. Terry Crews makes me not want to lift weights. Sometimes. <laughs> like, damn. Terry Crews makes Jason Whitlock not, not look so bad. <laughs> little much. Little we're not, we're not, we're not, not going to go there. <laughs> oh, man. Terry Crews. Nigga, sit down. Look, and, it's, and that's the thing. To quote, Ro- to, to paraphrase Royce to Five Nine, we're not even necessarily mad at you. We're just wondering why you won't get the fuck out of the way. Yeah. and let the real people do the work. Terry Crews and Jason Whitlock have two very distinct interpretations of intermittent fasting. <laughs> oh shit. Jason Whitlock's like, you don't eat for 16 hours a day? <laughs> Terry Crews is like, you do? I got you then. <laughs> I'll make up the difference. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. I just That would be a great team up. Terry Crews and the Cookie Monster. Damn. Uh, um, Terry Crews, go fuck yourself, bro. Like, it, it, it's so funny. Just when you think that he's that he's tapering off. He's not. He gains more power. It's that pre-workout. It's all that pre-workout and protein shakes. It's it's a snowball going downhill, man. Yeah, man. Terry Crews. I don't know if you're solidifying your base. You 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 know we've we've gone ahead and voted you off, and you're trying to solidify your base with the whites, but it's not working. Let me tell you something else. We have we as a community have to come to the conclusion that the sunken place is real. And that Terry Crews is probably in charge of the neighborhood watch there. Shit. Uh, Terry Crews, shut the fuck up. Go fuck yourself. Damn. Um, wow. D. Randall, have we done a podcast? We have survived another <laughs> podcast. We definitely did a podcast. Um, Team Oz, thank you for the the love and support. Um, we definitely have... Uh, I, I, def- I got some feedback that the black business talk from last week was much needed. What? Um, so thank you for that. Uh, I am I am not I am not someone to talk about commerce and finance because it's because for me it's just going to turn into burn capitalism down and hit it with a <laughs> stick. Um, but thank you for the reception there. Um, uh, I know a lot of people like the fact that D Randall is kind of our our uh, our married people correspondent. <laughs> and he can shine uh, light on married life. Um, 
I just I just love the the different kind of reactions we're getting from the material. Um, I I definitely have some things planned that are going to make uh, opinions while black and everything associated with the brand a little more interesting. Uh, I'm just finding my feet again in the COVID era. Um, uh, the merch, merch coming July 31st. Yep. Cannot stress this enough. You're gonna hear it a lot. Merch July 31st. And I need y'all to wear a mask so that we can celebrate episode 100 properly. Y'all are fucking up episode 100. Wear a mask. Because don't worry. We will delay episode 100 and just skip to 101. <laughs> and we will do episode 100 properly. Yeah. But the longer but the longer you motherfuckers don't stay in the house and don't wear masks, the longer you are prolonging some exit level foolishness and fuckery. This is so, this is gonna be some omega level shit, but we need y'all stay in the fucking house, the social distance, and flatten the curve. This is important because my birthday is rolling around the corner, and I can't get any pussy. Mm. And I'm mad. <laughs> mm. Um. So, uh, thank you guys. Um. We will be back next week with more foolishness and fuckery. Church announcements, D. Randall. I just realized how fucked up Tinder has to be right now for people. <laughs> it's just a tease. It's just a tease app now. Like I just, I just realized that like it has to be tough out there. You quarantine and it's it's fine chicks around the corner and y'all just FaceTiming the fuck out of each other right now. That's that's got to be frustrating. That's wow. Some, that's some shit. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we'll be back. With more foolishness and fuckery. Until then, this has been episode 96. That's right. Of Opinions While Black. I have been Oz. And I am moving to Asheville, North Carolina because they approve reparations. Hey! <laughs> and as always, imparting titties. Damn, I love the pod. <laughs>